I am Mike Gorman, the voice of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to The Shootaround. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Shootaround on Wednesday, April 25th. I'm Nick Harvell, joined by Mr. Chan and Adam Fairman. How's everyone doing today? What's up, guys? The NBA playoffs are now in full force, so we're going to get you all caught up to speed with the noise going on around the league, as well as Celtics talk with our Causeway update. Also, be sure to stay tuned and listen to our interview with Boston Celtics group sales manager Aaron Lewis, where we chat about some behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on with the team and much more. You won't want to miss it, so without any further ado, let's get right into it. The NBA playoffs currently stand without East. The number one seeded Toronto Raptors versus the eight seeded Washington Wizards are tied at two games apiece. Game five is tonight. Uh, the four-seeded Cleveland Cavaliers and the five-seeded Indiana Pacers are also tied at two games apiece. Game five's also tonight. Uh, the three-seeded Philadelphia 76ers took down the six-seeded Miami Heat four games to one last night. And our Boston Celtics, the two-seed, playing Milwaukee, the seven-seed, that series is currently 3-2 in Boston's favor. Out west, Houston is up 3-1 to one against the eight-seeded Minnesota Timberwolves. The four-seed Oklahoma City Thunder is currently trailing the Utah Jazz 3-1 to after taking a Game 1 victory. The three-seeded Portland Trailblazers got swept by the six-seeded Pelicans, who are facing off against the two-seeded Golden State Warriors in the second round, who took down the seven-seeded San Antonio Spurs four games to one. Guys, with the first round kind of wrapping up, um, what have been so far your favorite playoff moments? Um, I really have enjoyed and not enjoyed at the same time uh, Philadelphia's surge um, I mean this has been a long suffering franchise and it seems like they're finally turning the co- corner and realistically speaking um, they have the talent to be able to make it to the finals I mean Embiid healthy um, Ben Simmons is playing at an elite level right now and they have the shooters with Saric and Covington and J.J. Redick around them to, to be really, really good. Um, and I think that what's even scarier is that if LeBron is really about winning those rings, Philadelphia is the best fit for him this offseason. I agree with that 100%. That could be a crazy, crazy team coming next offseason. Adam, what about you? What do you think? Playoff Rondo is an absolute legend. Um, <laughs> just the way... He turns himself around from regular season to playoffs. It's kind of absurd, and uh, it's just been fun to watch him. And and Anthony Davis just completely ruined the uh, the Trailblazers in four straight games. Yeah, that was something pretty cool. Uh, something that I love that is still going on as we speak is Utah putting a beating down on the Thunder. Um, you know, from the beginning of the season, I think all three of us can agree when we said that this Thunder team was not going to be was not going to live up to the height that it had. Um, you know, it's three ball-dominant guys who just are there purely to score, and uh, their games just don't mesh well together. And I'm a huge, huge Donovan Mitchell guy. And just seeing him, like, already dominate the game and just put a beat down on these three perennial basic – well, I don't know if you can call Carmelo an all-star anymore. You can't call him a bum. But uh, three really elite scorers, and he's just putting a beat down on him. It's just – it's great to watch. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I think that, you know, Donovan Mitchell, shout out to Brewster Academy, uh, you know, because that's where he played uh, basketball. But, you know, Mitchell's rise has been really, really, really interesting. And I also think that 
Uh, there's got to be a lot of credit that goes out to Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff in Utah that after losing Gordon Hayward, they're still able to play at such a high level. Yeah, and it's just like another thing that I just thought about is like, what if Utah kept Gordon Hayward? How good could this team be? Could they be a finals contender? Well, the the, the question then is, you know, do they, would they still have picked Donovan Mitchell? Because he kind of fills in at that wing spot. So, you know, if they had kept Gordon Hayward, you know, things might have... Yeah, maybe they hang on to Trey Lyles and don't trade up for that pick, right? Exactly. Something um, different. Also, and so Mitchell, Mitchell wouldn't have as many touches, wouldn't have as many shots if they had kept Hayward. So who knows how good he could have been. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, right. And something else in the playoffs that I thought has been pretty cool is Indiana giving Cleveland the serious run for their money. <laughs> game five, uh, like we said tonight... Uh, the pivotal game five. If Indiana takes this, are you at all worried that Cleveland could even fall in the first round? I mean, it's anybody's series at this point. I just think that, you know, um, you know, without George Hill, and you know, with the the Cleveland outside shootings being real inconsistent, and I also think that uh, I watched the last game and the coaching's kind of awful on both sides uh, because they. The decision making is just not there, um, so you know. Personally, I just want that series to be over with as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm been pleasantly surprised with Indiana this year. I mean, before the season started, I think I predicted them being, um, you know, a bottom five team in the league lottery pick, and now they're making noise, giving the defending Eastern Conference champs a run for their money, giving LeBron James a serious like. Whoa! Let me just take a step back and take these guys serious. I mean, yeah, well, who would have thought we'd see this from LeBron, like a potential first round exit? Well, but I mean, you, you also have to remember now, like he doesn't have Kyrie anymore. And even even so, though. I mean, with Kyrie, I think it would have been a whole different story, especially a healthy Kyrie. I just think that you know, I- Indiana, just the team and the roster makeup just proposes some matchup problems for Cleveland. And I think that their personnel just matches up pretty well with them. And I also love seeing the Lance-LeBron rivalry finally revitalized. It's been long overdue. Um, so we already have one matchup set out west with the six-seeded New Orleans facing the two-seeded Golden State. But um, other than that, all other series are up in the air. The only other team that has clinched a second-round spot is the Philadelphia 76ers. So, guys, what do you think the second round is going to be looking like in terms of who plays who, and who do you guys see taking each series? Just get a little second-round predictions going here. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, out west, it's going to be Houston and Utah. And I actually hope that that series goes seven. Uh, I hope it does, just because I really enjoy watching Donovan Mitchell play. But, um, I mean... The funniest part about Houston is that no matter how they're shooting, whether they're hot or cold, they always trust the math. They literally trust their system so much. And I think it resulted in a 50-point third quarter the other night. So that's going to be fun. Um, I think that if Steph Curry can come back, Golden State should be able to win in like six games. Um, I think in the second round, hopefully the Celtics could wrap up their business and beat the Sixers in six or seven games. Um, and out east, um, I wouldn't mind seeing a raptors calf series. Um, but at the same time, after a hot start in the first round, 
you know, you have to wonder if the old Raptors are coming back to choke in the playoffs again. That's what I'm starting to speculate. Uh, Adam, I'll go, I'll go before you, cause just because we're going to add on to what Mr. Chan just said. But my bold prediction for this playoffs is that the eighth-seeded Washington Wizards take down the Raptors in seven games. What do you guys think of that? that? I mean, I wouldn't say it's too bold. I mean, it's 2-2 right now. I'm mm. saying they get it done in Canada. In Toronto. Yeah, I mean... On their home turf. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, just because I think uh, Washington's finally getting John Wall back into a rhythm. And, you know, I think they fell to the eighth seed in the first place because he was out for a while. Yeah, right. This is a... They're a sneaky team. I actually have a really good feeling about that. Uh, as far as their opponent, I still think it's going to be the Cavs. I, don't, I can't bet against LeBron to lose in the first round. It's just not me. And I also see the Celtics getting it done in Milwaukee in six. And they're going to play Philly, obviously. And I want to believe that they'll take that series. And I'm going to go with them in seven. I mean, they they have a chance. I think now with Marcus Smart back, I think that Stevens has more uh, weapons to be able to plan around. I think that Philly, on paper, has more individual talent. And they have a ton of floor spacing. I mean... If Redick and Cyrus get hot, then it's they are a very, very tough team to defend. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so out west, I see, even if Curry plays or if he doesn't, I think that the Warriors will beat the Pelicans in five games. I think the Pelicans get one of those, either three or four at home. Um, but I see Golden State taking it in five. And I also see Houston beating Utah in five. Uh, as much as I love Donovan Mitchell, and I think the Utah group is very good, well-coached, buy into their team, I just don't see anyone taking down Houston. I don't even see Golden State. All right, we'll, we'll save that for another episode. But um, So, yeah, that's my second round predictions. And, Adam, if you have like anything else you want to say or add, any changes? Uh, I already know that during a Boston-Philly series that J.J. Redick is just going to piss me off so much by making – an absurd amount of threes on the Celtics. Um, I don't feel great about the Sixers. Um, you put Horford on Ben Simmons, and then you have no one to guard Embiid. Uh, I think Embiid's just going to run wild on us, honestly. It just, it, I don't know. They just have – there's too much that they can do to beat us. With the Bucks. if you saw it last night, if you stop Giannis, you're going to have a very good chance. With the Sixers, if you stop Embiid, then you have to go through Simmons if you stop – and vice versa. And if you stop both, you got to go through Redick and Covington and Sarge. It's just, it just seems like they just have like a, a an unlimited amount of weapons. Yeah, they've I, got such depth too. Like yeah. they picked up Ilyasova and Bellinelli like yeah. in the middle of the season, and those guys have been balling these playoffs so far. I just think Minnesota. I think that you know the matchup in terms of if if we get to see the Sixers, I think Stevens is going to put Jalen on Ben Simmons, Horford on Embiid. Uh, and throw different bodies at both guys. Um, but the key really for that is that we just have to defend the three-point line very, very well yeah. with their floor spacing. Um, but at, at the same time, I, I mean, I just think that Brad Stevens is such a resourceful coach that he'll be able to maximize the guys we have on his roster. And as crazy as it sounds... I think that with the way that Jalen and, and Jason have been stepping up, I mean, don't put it past them that those two dudes, because on the other end, 
the Sixers gotta guard us too. Right. <laughs> I think that yeah. that entire series both ways is gonna be a lot of mixing and matching. We're gonna see a bunch of guys. We're gonna see the Ojeleys step in a, a lot. Yeah. And I also think we're gonna see um, Philly throw some curveballs at us defensively. Yeah. And so offensively, I think we'll be hunting JJ Redick. We'll okay. be hunting Sarge and JJ Redick. We're gonna be exposing the weaklings. Um, so before we get in Celtics talk, do you guys have anything else you'd like to add? Um, about these playoffs so far, any other bold predictions? No. I mean, I just, I just want to say that it's been um, mind-boggling. Um, as much as I love, I love Tibbs, just some of the calls, some of the decision making that I've been seeing in the playoffs is crazy. Like, there was a couple games ago where Carl Anthony Towns, I think, like, Derrick Rose had way more shots than Carl Anthony Towns. At what planet does Derrick Rose pulling up for a contested mid-range jumper make sense than feeding your star young big? Um, and as much as Tibbs is a very good defensive coach, I think that he's using his personnel wrong. Um, and in that same token, my goodness, how badly is Eric Bledsoe killing the Bucks right now? I mean, I mean, he's been true terrible. Bledsoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's he's just oh, he's just nonstop, just trying. I, I feel like he's almost just trying to have the spotlight on him. Like, I don't know. He seems like such a like, a, like he is almost a magnet for drama. I guess. I just That's think. You can I just think the problem with him was that he picked up one too many losing habits when he was in Phoenix. And those habits show. I mean, he has all the tools in the world. He's he a very does. talented player. Really good body, good athleticism. But decision making is right. And he, I think he also needs to find a jump shot that works for him. He his jump shot looks a little flat at times. So that's his big thing. But uh, going back to Minnesota, like what you were saying about Tibbs, like we also saw these complaints kind of happening in Chicago towards the end there, like how he was using I think like Dang and Noah. Yeah. They were up in arms. So. I mean, I think Tibbs is all in all a solid NBA coach. He just needs to listen to his players sometimes. He's a very good defensive coach, but his, I think his downfall is that he doesn't trust the bench. And he rides a starter way too many minutes in the regular season. I agree with that. <laughs> all right, so now let's talk about our Celtics. So my guy who I'm not too fond of, uh, as most listeners probably know by now, Marcus Smart, uh, he came back last night and um, – as much as it hurts me to say this, he was a huge difference maker. I mean, there are times like Brad is just the best coach ever, and he can just cover up our weaknesses in so many ways and make us look, make certain players look really good, and like make it seem like we almost don't need Marcus. But after last night's game, I mean, I'm just convinced that we need Marcus on this team long term, and I, I, I believe we should. Resign this offseason. Yeah, pay him whatever if, he wants. If at any point, I don't care. if at any point on any show, I said I wouldn't mind seeing Marcus go, I take that back. He is a very, very important piece. Pay him whatever he wants. I don't care. Pay I mean, him. he made immediate impact, blocking Giannis's lob right away and like diving on the ball. I mean, oh, I mean, the atmosphere in the Garden last night was crazy. Here's the thing I see it would play out with this contract situation. The way I see it, Marcus Smart isn't the type of player that could, like, carry a franchise that's rebuilding in terms of scoring. And I don't think any of the cont- other contending teams could go over the cap or could actually pay him a good enough salary like we can. I think that he's just – his intangibles are off the charts. Um, 
always said that, you know, even though he does take some bad shots sometimes, but he's an absolute dog on the floor. And he does every little thing. He makes a lot of clutch plays. Like that pass to Horford when he was on the ground. Oh, tri- triple teamed. Triple teamed with a guy with a guy who with two guys like on, on his, his back. Face. Yeah. I don't I don't even I honestly did not know how he see that. I I also don't I, I would have a hard time naming any other player in the league that could make that pass. Right. And so, you know, I just think that at the end of the day you keep Marcus smart and I think with Rozier playing well, I think Rozier is the piece that you trade for more assets down the stretch. The Marcus Smart experience is my favorite thing ever. I love his I love his shots. You're like, "No, no, 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 no." And then it goes in and then I don't know. And then when it's a good shot, you're like, oh, yes, it's actually... And then air balls or clanks. <laughs> no, <Nah>, I... <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you, need, you need a Marcus Smart in the team. You To win a championship, you need the, you need a Marcus Smart. And I feel like if he gets an offer from Brooklyn for, like, say, $16 million a year and Boston from twelve, I feel like he know. I feel like he's the type of player who would take the however many... However less millions of dollars to, to go to a winning environment than a losing one because... He, the way he plays and the way he talks and everything it seems like he's so invested in winning. So that seems like something he's could, also uh, a, play a role in free agency. Sorry to interrupt you there, but he's also a player that I feel like would be terrible on a losing team because he wouldn't know his role. Well, he I would mean, try to take over games and be a star player like he like we sometimes see, uh, even in Boston, and um, you know he's not that star guy. And like until he realizes that, I can't love him like you guys. Just because of his shot selection at times, but if he, he's only 24, so I've not lost complete hope that he will. Well, here's the way I see it. Terms of his role, but. since you love Marcus Morris so much, he's so much better than Marcus Morris, and so much more important to this team. Marcus Morris is a stretch forward who's a volume shooter, who is not as good of a defender as people actually think he is. Um, you know, like he does his job well, and Brad plugs him into a system where he does well. But in my opinion, I mean, like you kind of contradict yourself when Marcus Morris takes a bunch of ISO shots. The thing about Marcus Morris, though, is like I don't know. He just, even though he chucks up a like similar shot selection to Marcus Smart, I I just feel like a lot more go in. And like if you look at his numbers, their field goal percentages are like pretty similar. They're both not great field goal shooters, but but with smart, you get the intangibles and all the plays and the energy that I just feel like, just from what I've seen, a lot of times Morris just makes really, like, not great decisions on the floor. Um, like, you know, I was telling you before the show began, last night down the stretch, I think Morris was so eager to jump a, a potential steal uh, on help. Like, he jumped up thinking that, the man driving baseline was going to kick it to the wing. He left a corner three wide open. And you can't do that in a playoff game. You know, like, if he right. stayed disciplined and stayed locked on that assignment and the guy kicked it to the high wing, he still would have had time to close. But because he was so eager to jump that lane, he gave up a, a wide open shot that he was out of position to contest. Yeah, and we've seen this many times, like, I remember the regular season game like it was yesterday against Washington when Jody Meeks got that corner three to tie the game mm-hmm. because Marcus Morris was just camped down low. Like, at that point, like, just let them take the layup, you know? I mean, we all have our bonnet plays, but I agree with you. That is frustrating to watch at times, but Mook's, Mook's the bully of this team. No, Marcus Smart is the bully Marcus of this Smart's team. the heart of this team. Mook's the bully. Mook gets no, up in people's me. faces. He does, but 
Last time I checked, Marcus Morris didn't draw two consecutive offensive fouls on James Harden to win us a game. All right, you got me beat there. Um, so let's talk about this game six that's coming up tomorrow night. Do you guys... All right, so the two games we've lost so far this series have been both in Milwaukee. First game was an absolute blowout, and the second game looked like it was about to be another blowout, but then we saw our group kind of get back into it. It seemed like Brad may, maybe said something at halftime. Uh, I don't know what maybe went, went down. But um, do you guys attribute these struggles on the road to just like lack of playoff experience in, in a way building that's oh, like yeah. going to be loud or do you guys think it's just something else besides that or oh yeah it's definitely youth and experience because you look at a lot of teams that are younger it's hard it's very hard to win in the playoffs on the road like oh, you yeah. look at all levels of basketball in college right in high school even in AAU when you're out of your comfort zone and when you're in gyms that you're not used to you know, that, that plays into it, that it takes you out of your comfort zone, which is why, you know, I think that our ability to close out depends on our young guys and how they perform, whether they can make shots under pressure. So it'll be a huge test for Jalen, Jason, Rozier, Shemi. And, Shemi. And our core of young guys. Oh, we haven't even talked about Shemi yet. <laughs> how could we have not talked about Shemi I and mean, what he did last night against Giannis, holding him to 16 points? How about that? Like, I had no idea before the game was starting that Shemi was going to be inserted in the lineup. When when I heard that over the, the Jumbotron mm-hmm. PA announcer, I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm not surprised. And then I, thought it was, I actually thought it was a joke at first. And then when I saw Shemi out there, I was like, oh, my God, he's actually going to be guarding Giannis to start off this game. And... Boy, did that turn out well. But that that's what Brad Stevens, that's what great coaches do, is that they put players in position, and they have so much swagger and confidence that the player is just buying in all the way. And I said it before, uh, I think at the beginning of the season, that Shemi is a better ball defender than Jay Crowder. Right now. I think you, I think you, I think you uh, said better player at the time, but... Um I, I like ball defender better. I, I wouldn't call Shemi a better player than Crowder yet. To me, shoot. to me, <laughs> he cannot shoot. He can't <laughs> shoot first. To me, though, we have enough pieces offensively that you play. No, with I agree with that. But I'm saying we don't need him to shoot. He just he just can't for the life of him. <laughs> I think he'll actually get it together. I think that, you know, he he shot all right, kind of like early to mid season. In preseason, he looked yeah. really good. But I think the problem was as the season wore on, you know, some of his mechanics. Um, like it kind of like changed a little bit, so I think that's just off season work in terms of tweaking his mechanics. Yeah, I'm not too worried about his jump, sh- his jump shooting long term. I think that'll be all right. So, um, do you guys both see the Celtics taking down the Bucks in Milwaukee, or do you think it's going to take seven games to do it, or do you guys see us falling to Milwaukee for whatever reason? I don't think we're gonna. I think it'll no go seven. Gonna. You think it'll go seven? I think it'll go seven. I want them to wrap it up in six, but I think it'll go seven just because. I think that at the end of the day, the young guys, you got to remember, our young guys got to step up. But their young guys are going to do better in their home building. Right. You know, Just like ours, both teams at home look unbeatable, kind of. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Faberman? I just don't see them winning in Milwaukee, honestly. Uh, Rozier, not going to lie, Rozier's been kind of brutal last couple of games after game two. So is Tatum. Um... Yeah, Tatum was a no-show last night. I just I just feel like they don't 
they haven't played well enough on the road to convince me that they're going to win this game. So for that sole reason, I just I don't think they're going to do it. I think they'll win game home in seven. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, I just don't think they'll win tomorrow. Yeah, I think, you know, if Chris Middleton has been torching us this series. Oh, he, he looks like a freaking all-star scorer. Yeah, so I think that our hope is, and, and the reason why I think it might go seven, but at the same time, like, my hope is in Marcus Smart's presence on the court as the veteran with Horford being able to inspire his mm-hmm. younger teammates to be able to step mm-hmm. up. I was just about to say that. I think that the only way we win game six is if Marcus Smart and Al Horford both play well. You know, very rarely do you see the Celtics win if Horford has a bad night because he's just – it doesn't show up in the stats, but he is just that valuable to this team. Like, vocally, just his his presence out there in the court, he makes everyone around him better. And when he struggles, the team it's as a whole struggles. And I, I actually – would go as far to could maybe place him ahead of Kyrie as most valuable on this team. I'm not going to go there yet. Okay, no, 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 don't, don't give me that look. I'm not going there, okay? But the thing is that... Come on now. Let me, let me say what I'm saying. So the things that he... The way he creates for his other teammates... Are you drunk? Come on now. <laughs> what do you want to say? I mean, I, I just think that he... Don't if you look at how bad we are without him on the court. Yeah, he's he's a very skilled big man, but at the same time, we just don't have right now another skilled stretch big. I think that he's definitely a very valuable part of the team, but I wouldn't go as far to say as that, you know, he's the most important. I think, I think for him, it's more so, yeah, like we need him to score, but we just need him to play an efficient game. That's the most absurd statement I've ever heard you say in my entire life. No, listen. All right. Okay. I was getting well, how, you, okay, how are you going to replace a, little, a 25, 25 points a night? Like, it just the, – the, the rebounds, the assists, saying, the rebounds, the assists, those are cool and all. But you got to have someone score the basketball. I and understand we, that. we literally – like, it's beyond frustrating <laughs> sometimes watching, like, the second unit. Like, Shane Larkin to Semi Ojale and he clanks a three <laughs> off the side of the rim. I mean, come on. You need – I, 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 I didn't I didn't say he was more valuable. I said he's he close. He's not even remotely close. <laughs> he does great things. Nice when Horford things. was out this season. He does we great things. Like I love Al. We're a, I'm, a lottery team. I, I defend Al 100%, but Kyrie Irving is far and away the most important player on this team. All uh, right, guys. I would even argue that Jalen and Jason right now are on par. No, I'm serious because those guys do – I mean, but that's the thing is that that's the problem with ranking guys in terms of importance. Yeah. With the Brad Stevens team, everybody plays their role. Exactly. And they I all play that. their role really well. So. All right. All right. So we're going to get moving on into our interview with Aaron Lewis. We hope you guys really enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's play the interview. Okay, everyone, so we are now joined by a very special guest today, the group sales executive for the Boston Celtics, Aaron Lewis. Aaron, welcome to the show. We're really glad to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. All right, well, do you want to get started Good by telling podcast. us a little bit? <laughs> you want to get started by telling us a little bit about, uh, you know, what your job consists of and, like, how long you've had the position? Sure. So um, I've been, this is my third season with the Celtics. Um, 
I am essentially in ticket sales, but more of an event planning aspect. So I specialize in large groups that come out to the garden. So anything from a dance team to um, a corporate company. My special, we have three of us here, and all of us have different specializations. Is schools, um, all the area healthcare, so your Mass General, Brigham and Women's, and then um, we split up the area colleges since there's so many of them. But basically, we're we're in game event planners, and we're doing kind of all different um, things for our groups in terms of encore experiences, which I know you've you've seen me do before at games, as well as going up to suites and having lucky visit in with uh, different clientele. So it's totally customizable and just kind of making sure any type of group, whoever they may be, wherever they're coming from is having a good time and, and has a great experience. So um, I kind of consider myself an in-game event planner. That's, that's really cool. Um, you know, and, and just to kind of expand on that, do you then also sure. plan uh, events at the garden with like the MIAA, you know, like how, uh, the, the playoffs there, or do you just strictly work with Celtics events? Yeah, so it's. I think it, this is kind of a fun fact. I think um, the Bruins actually own the arena, oh. and we're tenants. So the best way to describe that would be if you were renting an apartment from someone. Okay. Um, so our staff is only um, only there during Celtics events, um, and then their staff takes over for everything else, which um, is a blessing and a curse. It would be really cool, I think, to see some other events there, but at the same time, we work a lot of hours, so it's nice to get a little break now and then. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, So you want to tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I went to um, Northeastern University, which is in Boston. Uh, I grew up um, at about an hour south of Boston, close to Rhode Island, but still in Massachusetts, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I got to Northeastern. I was a communications major. I kind of knew that much. But um, at Northeastern, they have a, something called the co-op program. So every six months, you go on to work at a full-time job, essentially. Uh, and then six months later, you go back to class, and you kind of rotate like that until you graduate. So um, I was able to get some really great opportunities to work in sports um, while I was in college. So it was really easy for me when I was graduating to know exactly what I wanted to do, which a lot of college students don't have that luxury. So um, I've always tell people that want to break into sports, it's super competitive. And I learned it firsthand when I was graduating. I applied to, no exaggeration, 432 jobs, wow. and I got one phone call for an interview. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a lot of persistence, a lot of determination, and not giving up on both yourself. But <laughs> I, I fine-tuned my interview skills, that was for sure. But um, the the call was from the San Diego Padres in California. So I flew out there for the interview. Um, it was for a sales position. And even then, I wasn't entirely sure I wanted to do something in sales. I thought I wanted to go more of the marketing PR route. Uh, but once I did get the job in San Diego, I had it really great experience and I loved sales so I decided to to stick with that and then I had an opportunity open up a few years later um, in Tampa Bay with the football team so I moved out to Tampa after that and then just being from Boston on a personal level I knew I eventually wanted to work for one of the great teams up here um, 
I just grew up knowing the legacy and what an amazing culture all of the organizations had and a connection of mine I had met through just my network um, had informed me that a position was open here in their group sales department. So that was in July, I think, of 2015. And that's when I um, I made the move back up to Boston. So I've been, this is my eighth um, year in pro sports, but my third with the Celtics. That's the short version. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I mean, um, yeah. so did you grow up a big Celtics fan too? I did, but um, I actually grew up in a household of baseball fans. Oh. So my both of my grandfathers were professional baseball scouts. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, so I grew up going to a ton of baseball games. So I always joke, I love the Celtics and grew up in Boston watching the Celtics, but my heart was always with the Red Sox. And <laughs> I think too, just being such a Red Sox super fan, I don't know if I could ever work there because I would just be watching all the games and probably not doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about the Celtics, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully one day I can get a job right, with them, but um, but I I was in college when they wanted an 08, and I got to go to the parade, and that was super cool, and um, I I kind of got all those cool experiences of just seeing those legends. I was more into basketball probably in high school when I started really watching the Celtics, but um, always been a Boston sports fan, and I took that on my travels around the country and made sure everyone knew it. So <laughs> yeah, well that's awesome. Well, uh, now I kind of want to change the topic a little bit, but um. What sure. have been some of your best or most memorable moments you've had with like a certain event or group? I think um, more for me, um, with groups in general, I always love the youth groups, especially the younger kids with schools, because I think doing this every day in and out, we kind of take for granted that we're on the court and we're so close to these big stars and um, we're doing, we're providing these once in a lifetime experiences for these kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten, and um, this is really probably one of the coolest things that they're ever going to do, and then just reacting to that and showing that emotional reaction to being steps from Kyrie or watching the Celtics warm up. I think we just take that for granted so much. And I just absolutely love doing, having those interactions every night. Cause for me, it's like, I'm down there all the time and you kind of get immune to it, especially doing that for eight years. But, um, just seeing it every night, I, I think is super special. I think though, um, some of my best memories are just being able to witness history. I think just as a fan in general as well, um, the Paul Pierce retirement. Um, I saw a, a number of retirement when I was in San Diego. Um, I was able to go to playoff games here. I've had opportunities to go to the Stanley cup championship when I was in Tampa, just from my connections there. So just having that access to be able to witness history is such a cool opportunity. Um, I think that's one of my favorite things. But from a group standpoint, it's definitely interacting with the, the different kids each night. Oh, that's that's awesome. Um, so, like, do you ever, like, what would you say, and I know you said, you, you know, you don't know that much, but, like, what sure. is your, like, if you could think off the top of your head, uh, mm -hmm. most memorable or like funniest story you could tell in terms of maybe like everyday operations, maybe running into one of the players or with Danny uh, or with anyone <laughs> in the front office. I think, yeah, no, that I think it would be, um, so I do in, night in and night out. I do the high five kids tunnel, oh. um, which is basically we bring down 30 or so kids onto the court. And these, these 
students are like anywhere from six years old to 16. So they're down there and they're participating and I'm, I'm rather short. I'm only five feet. So if I stand at the end of the line, the players will try to high five me thinking I'm one of the children. So um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And it happens all the time to the point where I've made it a point to wear high heels during games because I think... <laughs> Security will sometimes get confused, you know. I think it. I just it's a personal issue, but um, that's been really funny. I think, um, and I I always love just the players. Again, like I love that interaction and that amazing reaction from the kids of just having that one-on-one experience. And I think like players like Kelly Olynyk, uh, Jonas Drebko is amazing, um, and then you have Kyrie who at the end of warming up will give his shoes out every night. Like those players that do that type of stuff, like and realize what an amazing impact that leaves. Like those are my favorite memories. Just being able to watch them do that type of stuff uh, because like I can do as much as I can, but I'm not one of them, you know. Um, so them using that kind of outreach um, during a game, especially when it's one of my clients and I know how much it means to them, um, is is super memorable for me. That's really awesome, and and just as someone yeah. like I'm, I'm a, uh, I have the uh, half season tickets for the Celtics, so oh cool. Um, you know, I I think that because I'm too old to get into the high five tunnel, so um, <laughs> every year actually I uh, sign up one of my coworkers. Um, you know, because I teach at Natick High School, and I, I sign up one of my coworkers and their kids, and I just want to thank you um, because, you know, uh, for two years now, um, both of my coworkers who took their kids, they're like, oh my God, you know, that that kid, it, it was a memory that they'll never forget. So, you know, I I just want to personally thank you for uh, you know everything you do and organizing that event. Oh, of course, and we're happy to do it. It's one of our favorite parts of the game night, so it'll it'll definitely continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Aaron, and you're just like going back to what you're just talking about. I, I did the high five kids tunnel back in I think fourth grade when we had KG, mm-hmm. Allen, Pierce, Shaq, Rondo, and oh, like awesome. that's just one of those memories like for me. That's one of my earliest memories of like of becoming a real diehard Celtics fan, and uh, you know I just love that the, the kind of work that you guys do is uh, helping kids, like, have their dreams become reality and stuff like that. So I think that's awesome. Uh, I mean, I feel like this has kind of already been answered, but, like, I, I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you have a favorite player on today's mm-hmm. team? Because it seems like we've heard a lot about Kyrie, so. Yeah, I'm, I do like Kyrie, and i got to say I'm impartial. One of my grandfathers, the baseball scouts, did go to Duke and play baseball there. So <laughs> I grew up a Duke fan. I'm sorry, everyone, and anyone listening, but I'm, I'm one of those that's been a Duke fan the whole time, you know, like not just recently. Um, I did, so I liked Kyrie the short amount of time that he was in school. Um, but uh, to be honest, my players have always been the ones that just – take that extra moment to just interact. Um, I know you have a special connection with Isaiah. I loved Isaiah, especially his kids. Um, Isaiah was so great when we did the Anthem Buddies and all that fun stuff. He would just be so interactive. Um, and then it just, like, people, again, I'll shout out Jonas Drebko and Kelly Olynyk. Um, always would just take a moment. I think Jonas Drebko probably signed 80 autographs a night. I'm not even exaggerating. When he was coming off of warm-ups, he's, like, stepping aside Anyone that was there, he would sign an autograph for. And again, that some players choose not to do that, and that's totally fine. But for him, it's so important that the people that were there knew that he was appreciative. And to me, as someone who talks to these people on the phone every day or 
um, sees them on the game night, like that stuff speaks volumes about not only our culture and our organization, but um, that we actually care about each and every person that comes into the arena. So um, Kelly was great about that too. And Kelly actually is like holds the record here for most player appearances in the community. <laughs> so it's like so cool that those players do stuff like that. And again, it's that's not to speak to people or players that don't do as much, but just that they go absolutely above and beyond. It's just those are tend to be my favorite players because not only they make my job easier they make the fans happier yeah you love you love seeing players that like really kind of get it that it's just more about basketball yeah and it's all about like, yeah and i know people like poor Kyrie probably gets swarmed everywhere he goes <laughs> but to still do stuff like that in the arena is just so incredible to me yeah so do you ever get to travel with uh with the team uh or like host events in any other cities so that in my department, not necessarily. Um, there are staff members who do. So say our um, our corporate sponsorship department, for instance, will sometimes host um, events for corporate partners um, at away games. Mine are more local clients, so I'm mostly just here. But this organization is so incredible. They actually do. Will do a raffle every playoff season, um, and they'll pick four people from my office all expenses paid that get to go to the away game during the playoffs, which is so fun and cool. And unlike anything I'd ever experienced working in sports, I'd never even heard of that before. Um, of course, uh, Miss Lewis over here got picked for game six of the Eastern Conference Finals in Cleveland, so I have yet to be able to go, but <laughs> um, I'm hoping this will be my year. But that would be the only time I would travel would just be for pleasure. And I always try to go... Um, I try to go to one away game a year just for fun, but on a work standpoint, I'm not required to travel. Yeah, something on my bucket list is to go to a Celtics game in every arena. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that that's something be awesome. that's pretty cool. All right, Aaron, we're going to wrap up the show here, but uh, before we go, is there sure. one more thing that Celtics Nation may not know about the organization or a certain player that you think would be fun to share and just end on? Um, I would think it just like this organization and like just saying how long I've worked in sports is just hands down one of the best. I think a lot of people, um, they see on ESPN, all these stories and all these organizations, players, and it's just, this, this place is just really so high class and they treat us so well, you know, like, uh, for instance, we work. It, during the summer, we're still so busy, especially now because of the um, because of all the ticket sales happening, especially in our department. And we don't end till July for the playoffs, and then we start right back up when the schedule comes out in August. But they let us um, for some of the summer while we do have time off. We work four days a week, so we kind of have the luxury to to spend one more day a week with our family and friends. Um, they incentivize us throughout the playoffs. Um, the compensation here is excellent compared to some people might tell you in sports, like it, it's not so great. They just really uh, take care of their employees. And then that just reciprocates over to the fans. Um, and then obviously if we're happy, um, everyone else that encounters us on a game day is going to, is going to feel that. And I think that um, it's just so important to me to share that, I think, because people sometimes look in and they might think professional sports has like a greedy aspect or it's not their thing. But I think you especially, you too especially, I don't have to sell you on the on the great environment of a Celtics game. <laughs> oh yeah, game. I was just about to say. Celtics game, but this is just hands down. I think anyone that's ever considered working in sports, like the Celtics should be at the top of their list, no doubt. Yeah, you hear that everyone? Just another reason why the Celtics are the best team in, <laughs> yeah. in all of sports. Yeah. All right, well, Aaron. I mean, I gotta say, like I said, I 
was a huge baseball fan, and I'm becoming a, a hardcore Celtics fan. So that the, working here has helped for sure. All right. Well, I'm glad. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure I'll see you at the garden of course, sometime soon. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Aaron. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Go Celtics. All right.